RP3 is ready to step his game up and grab the mic for the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. For some of us who cover the New Orleans Saints, we thought last year's upset in the playoffs by the Minnesota Vikings there inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome was the end. It was the window was closing. Couldn't figure out how this team could come back with all the players under contract, with all the decisions that had to be made. But yet, Mickey Loomis, the sorcerer himself, found a way, and here we are once again with the season kicking off for the 2020 campaign in the National Football League. The New Orleans Saints are once again contenders, predicted by many to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So it's time for us to do a deep dive, look at the upcoming season, give you that preview that you're wanting, that you're needing, all you members of Houdat Nation out there. And joining me here on the Rap Game Podcast to do just that is a good friend of mine, the pride of Como High School, the lead writer and reporter for At Saints News at SI Now, and a contributor for Forbes Sports. It's the one and only John J. Hendricks. John, good morning, brother. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me today. Well, I appreciate you making time for the podcast, my man. And I thought uh, no better person to come in and kind of help preview the season as we're about to kick off. Only days away from the Saints hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome 325 kick this coming Sunday. So before we get to that matchup, and I'll get your thoughts on that as well, let's just talk about this team. And let's go back because you and I were there inside the Superdome, and I even wrote a column about it at the time that it felt, it just felt to me like the window had possibly closed with being upset again in the postseason, this time against Minnesota Vikings, and with so many decisions ahead of them. Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, all going to be free agents. They had, what are they going to do? Who are they going to re-sign? Are they going to give Alvin Kamara a big contract? Who are they going to bring on the defensive side of the football? You know, the salary cap was going to be an issue. It just felt that way to me, and yet here we are, and they're once again a Super Bowl contender. What did they do in the offseason to help make that happen and help bring us to that point, John, where they're once again keeping that window open with number nine under center? Well, look, I think, first of all, the, the roster turnover is, is the big thing you want to talk about because uh, they did a good job keeping their own, you know, locking up pace and, you know, bringing back David Onyemata on the contract extension. They brought some of the low-hanging fruit for players, uh, you know, that, that are back in here, guys that restructure like Kiko Alonso. Um, so, I mean, look, I think the front office did a fantastic job with a lot of those moves. And then, you know, look at free agency. You obviously lost pieces like uh, A.J. Klein and Von Bell, but you upgraded potentially with Malcolm Jenkins. And then, obviously, in the draft, you, you take Zach Vaughn and then, one of their huge gifts was Emmanuel Sanders. So, I mean, look, you know, you look through it and you look back through the way this, uh, this offseason has unraveled un, uh, itself and you see a team that still has a, a great big uh, of its core still intact and then obviously you're seeing that they're very much a contender just because top to bottom they have one of the best rosters in the NFL. And, look, I, I think this is – probably the season or the year. Uh, again, we don't know if, if Drew Brees will play uh, another year or two, and he said the other day that he's, he's playing on borrowed time. But, look, I think he's in for a, a good run here. 
Um, and I would I bet on the Saints to make some noise, but they got to make sure that they exercise those playoff demons because that has always been their Achilles heel going into the uh, postseason with the freak ending. They also got helped out because Breeze re-signed and was kind of a team-friendly deal. Uh, not overly team-friendly, not like what Tom Brady was doing back in the day with New England, but still, that helped free them up uh, some money under the salary cap as well, John. And here's the other thing. <laughs> Mickey Loomis, is he a genius? Is he a sorcerer? Or has he made some type of pack with the devil to figure out how to attack the salary cap because other teams are envious of what he's able to do year in and year out. It's as if it's a challenge, John, where they're like, well, what are the Saints going to do with that salary cap issues? And he's just like, "Uh, okay, uh, hold my beer. I got this. Watch what I'm about to do. Yeah, sorcerer, wizard, magician, whatever you want to call it. I think that's obviously what uh, uh, Mickey Loomis has been able to bring to the table. And and look, you know, I mean, it's, it's the staff too, uh, you know, that, that works under him. And, and Kai Harley has a lot of a lot to do with that, too. He's vice president of football administration, and they crunch the numbers, too. But, but these two have been together for a long time. And, uh, you know, look, I, I think the Saints, when they look at the cap, they're, they're never scared of saying, oh, man, uh, we're so much X amount of dollars over the cap for next year. They, they're worried about what, you know, they can bring to the table now. And, Look, I think another thing that you look at, too, is other teams might be catching on or looking. I mean, the Rams are a team that are eating a ton of dead money right now, but they just locked up Jalen Ramsey. So, I mean, they're another team that, that shouldn't have any money, but they're able to make it work. So, I, I obviously, he gets a lot of uh, credit here locally and, and uh, anybody that knows the Saints, but outside looking in, they always find a way, and, and it's never uh, a case where they can't be big-time players for big-time free agents. They've been linked to a lot of them in the past. Um, and they're not afraid to throw money at them. So, look, I, I think when you look at it all, they've always been a very competitive and very nice destination spot for uh, impending free agents, more so in the past several years than it was, you know, in the, the seven and nine seasons. But I think they've done a good job with maneuvering the cap, making sure that they can make things happen and exploiting loopholes or any type of hidden areas in the cap that could give them an advantage over the competition. All right, John, let's talk about the free agent acquisitions. They bring in Malcolm Jenkins, who, look, Von Bell was a, a good player, but he, Malcolm Jenkins is just as good of a player, if not better, and, oh, oh, by the way, he has the leadership. And I've argued this. If they had Malcolm Jenkins back there three years ago when they lost in Minnesota on the Minneapolis miracle play, There's no way Marcus Williams is out of position because Malcolm Jenkins would not have allowed it. And that's what I think he brings. He brings a veteran presence. He knows the playbook. He understands what quarterbacks do. This is a guy who's won two Super Bowls. How impactful is the Malcolm Jenkins signing going to be both on the field and off the field, whether that's the practice field or in the locker room? Yeah, look, uh, obviously I think it's huge because, I mean, Von Bell is good against the run, and, uh, you know, obviously I don't think they'll sacrifice a ton, but, you know, with Malcolm Jenkins, I think about what Mario Davis had kind of said to us uh, a while back, talking about how just after the play he can go and talk to somebody like Malcolm Jenkins and be able to say, oh, they saw the same things, and, you know, just kind of have some of that same conversation and be on the same page of what they saw what they could have done and what, what could have been done differently. And, and you know, DeMario said, you know, specifically that, hey, 
you know, I, something that you don't necessarily get with the young guys and something that's kind of been maybe a little bit missing. So, look, I think uh, when it's all said and done, you know, he's going to be a great uh, presence in the backfield to put people where you need to go. Obviously, I don't think that you may see it 100% when out of the gate when, when they take the field on in week one. But, look, I'm still uh, optimistic that, you know, look, there's a lot of good things that Jenkins is going to bring to the table. And obviously he's brought here for a reason. He's very smart, very praised. And I think he makes the defense even better. So look, it, it, this is probably the best secondary the Saints have had. Uh, I don't know since ever. Since ever. Well, uh, since at least back in the day when they had Jason David in free agency, remember how great he was, John? Oh, wait, no, no. <laughs> Oh no, yeah, that's that's yeah. not good. That's I mean, not good. at least 2009. You know, obviously they had Sharper back there, and, and you know Greer and Porter, all those guys. I mean, there was a lot of, of good ones, but look, it's been a long time coming that you haven't felt uh, this good about what they have. John, let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders. This is a guy that's a vet. He's seen it all. He's done it all. He's played in multiple Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl. And heck, uh, he the, the Saints know him very well because he had a heck of a game against them last year inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome when he was playing for the San Francisco 49ers. It, look, on, on paper, just bringing him in is going to help the double teams on Michael Thomas, but they're expecting him to even be more than just a decoy, right? They're expecting him to be more than just a guy that's going to let Michael have one-on-one coverage. They're expecting big things from Emmanuel Sanders, correct? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, I saw it the other day saying that, hey, we think he'll catch over 50 balls. That's, I think, the projection that some people are giving him. Like, well, I hope he catches way more than that just because of uh, what he brings to the table. But, you know, look, I think even so with him in the, the in the picture, I don't think it's going to be a thing where uh, you'll see him necessarily take away from uh, – Michael Thomas, I think Michael Thomas will still get his share and get fed the ball. I, I think that they'll definitely lean on Mike as much as they can, and Mike's a guy that will welcome that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, look, when it, it's all said and done, Sanders is brought in here. He is going to to definitely take some pressure off of some guys like, like Traquan Smith or maybe Josh Hill or the rookie tight end Adam Troutman. But, I, you know, overall I'm excited about what he can bring to the table. Um, and I'm really excited about Sanders in this office. I think that he's going to hit the ground running. I think that he'll be able to come in here and really just have a year's career year just like he had when he was at Pittsburgh and Denver early on. John J. Hendricks, my man, the Saints lead writer reporter for at Saints News at SI Now. Joining us here on the Rap Game Podcast, it's the Saints season preview for the 2020 season. That's what we're breaking down here. So let's get to it. Let's do it. Let's start offense and then go to defense, and we'll do it by position groups real quickly here, John. So let's start off with quarterback. Breeze obviously misses five games last year to that thumb injury, the ligament issue. Uh, He had, let's be honest, an interesting offseason would be the best way to describe that. But the locker room is strong, and we know that. Are they going to expect Drew to have to throw it up for more than 4,000 yards again or 4,500 yards? Or are they looking at the fact that they have all those weapons and they have a strong running game with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray? What are the expectations for Drew Brees this coming season? 
Well, look, I think what you've seen from Drew Brees is he's, the deep ball looks good. I mean, there's a lot of things to his game that he's bringing to the table that is going to make the Saints be a lethal passing attack. And, you know, again, he doesn't have to throw for 5,000 yards. That's the good news because he's going to have great compliments with, obviously, you know, Latavius Murray in the run game in addition to Alvin Kamara. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they use guys like Ty Montgomery in the offense. So I think this offense is, is built for a huge season. Um, I think Breeze is in line that he could really just have a, a career year, if you will. And, um, you know, that's saying a lot, but he doesn't have to throw the ball, you know, 50, 60 times a game. He doesn't have to throw for 5,000 yards. But I think he could be in line for uh, one of his best touchdown interception ratios, for instance. I think the run game is obviously going to take some pressure off of him. But, you know, the Saints can be a, an aggressive offense. They're going to go – and try the shot. I think guys like Deontay Harris are going to be uh, interesting to see. I, I've seen what Taysom Hill does <clears throat> in this picture again. Um, so, look, when it's all said and done, Breeze doesn't have to have the pressure on him. I don't think he has had that pressure for a little bit. Um, but, you know, if they need him to, to do what he does, I mean, we all remember how he did last year down the stretch. He was, he was practically on fire. I don't think there's a quarterback better than him. So, uh, you know, if he needs to catch fire and do what he needs to do to win games, I mean, he'll easily win five or six by himself. Do you think he could, healthy and with all these weapons, do you think he could have an MVP season similar to what he had two years ago when he lost the award, lost out to Patrick Mahomes? Uh, Look, I think there's a potential there. You know, I guess it's unfortunate that he doesn't have some of those uh, accolades, if you will, or get snubbed. I don't think you obviously can judge his career based off of the MVP performances. Obviously, obviously he's been slighted a couple times, but look, I think he's got to be in that conversation, um, and, and I think he should be. So, look, the Saints are going to ultimately win some games because of Breeze. They're going to do a ton of things because of what he brings to the table. So, you know, again, you can't totally judge him about how how things are going to work in the first couple of weeks because the season's not one in those those particular time frame. It's going to be the back half, and, and they got the early bye week this year and, and week six. So I think when it's all said and done, um, you know, Breeze should be able to be in that conversation. I just don't know if he's going to pull it off 100% just because of the other flashy guys that they like to uh, kind of drum up this time. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, those are the names being thrown out there. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is your reigning MVP. Okay, let's talk about backup quarterback. Uh, a lot of a lot of buzz about the fact that the unofficial depth chart that came out earlier this week had Taysom Hills the number two, Jameis is the number three. Is that just semantics? Is Jameis really the number two because they want to use Taysom in that Joker role? No, I think it's real. Um, you know, again, I think it's been a, a question that's been asked me a little bit, and I think this, it's nothing that Sean Payton hasn't said uh, publicly since, you know, the end of the season, that they look at Taysom Hill as his number two um, and, and the primary backup. I think Winston's come in here and he's going to try to learn and do what he can. Um, you know, I think he's an extremely talented quarterback, but I, I feel like it, it's just been something that's been echoed uh by Sean Payton and everybody else since the get-go. So I don't read too, too much into it. And, I mean, again, it's an unofficial depth chart, but I, I think it's as close to the real one as you're going to get. So with it, that being said, uh, you know, wherever Winston is put, he's going to be 
just fine. And, you know, I, I know he took a, a, a very inexpensive deal to be here. I know he's going to learn a lot. And if they really need him, push comes to shove, then he'll be able to go out on the field and do what he needs to do. But I think Taysom Hill is probably the guy that you want to listen to if, if something happens to Brees. All right, let's focus in on running backs. Alvin Kamara is healthy. And even a banged-up Alvin Kamara last year who played through multiple injuries because he thought he needed to, especially with Breeze being out, and he thought that the team needed him to play through those injuries when he could have easily shut it down. We've learned that since the season ended. What do we expect from Alvin Kamara? we got the contract negotiations going on. This is a contract year. Can we expect to have a huge season? Because last year, John, during training camp, remember, Sean Payton was asked, you know, he thought that Alvin could be only the third running back ever to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving behind Roger Craig and Marshall Falk. That ended up not happening, and it ended up Christian McCaffrey actually was able to accomplish that for the rival Carolina Panthers. Could we have a huge season for AK? Yeah, I think he's in line for a, a tremendous season. Um, you know, look, I, if, if a deal doesn't get done by the Saints for him, which, I mean, again, we heard the other day that they were extremely close and nothing's been done, and I think that time frame's within, you know, the next couple of days for a deal to get announced. But, you know, it'll be interesting if it doesn't get done, what, you know, that the Saints might might be rolling the dice here because if he comes out and has a stellar career year um, and just absolutely sets the world on fire, then you're about to probably have to pay him even more money than than you were – originally taken so look I think there's still tons of time to get this deal done um and I think Kamara obviously played hurt last year after that week six game against the Jaguars didn't really look himself started to look himself at the end of the year Tennessee game was kind of like I'm back type thing and uh you know got to give him credit on one hand for toughing it out I mean we're talking about a guy who had you know 1330 scrimmage yards last year and he did that still like missing games and then playing hurt. So if we're talking about a career low for somebody, I don't think that's a bad thing. But, you know, the 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 touchdown production, I think, is what most people are missing here is that, you know, this is a guy who only had six scores last year and last you know, the season before he had a, a plethora. I mean, he had so many times that he was in the end zone. So I think that's what we're more accustomed to and what we're really hoping that Kamara returns the favor on that. Um, and look, he's healthy. Uh, you know, he had a little flare up with his back, but he had an epidural for it and he seems good to go. He's focused on Tampa. So I think he's going to be in line for a, a really big, especially looking at some of the opponents they play this season. Um, Kamara could have some really strong stellar games that are, where, are going to be ones where he just takes over. That's good because I drafted him in the first round in one of my fantasy football uh, leagues. John, that's good news. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's talk about the backups quickly. Uh, look, Latavius Murray was brought in last year uh, to, to serve as that kind of thunder to Kamara's lightning uh, after they had uh, they let Mark Ingram walk and let him go to Baltimore where he had a Pro Bowl season. And look, Murray is a team-first guy. He's not a flashy guy. But, man, he looked really good when he did get to play last season for the Saints. What do we expect his role to be? this season, even with the addition of Ty Montgomery? Yeah, look, I think Murray, uh, you know, again, he's kind of one of those guys that have been forgotten, and, and I know the intrigue is there with Ty Montgomery, and, you know, he was lined up as a running back primarily during training camp snaps and stuff like that, but look, Latavius Murray, when they needed him last year, when Camaro was, was hurt and just couldn't go, Latavius Murray did a great job, and 
look, I, I always said that he was better suited for an offense like the Saints, and the Saints usually tend to maximize guys like that in, in their production. Um, so it was good to see him do what he did. You know, obviously I know a lot of people miss Mark Ingram, and that's the shoes he had to come in and fill. But, you know, I think he did a great job his first season. I think he was a big reason why the Saints won some of those games while Teddy Bridgewater was at the helm and went 5-0. and And um, obviously Michael Thomas has a lot to do with that too. But, you know, they needed Murray for a good bit, and, and I, I think he fits this offense well. Uh, you know, he's very inexpensive as far as a, a backup and running back goes. So, look, I think – I don't say he'll split 50-50 with Kamara, but he's going to get his touches. He's going to get his looks. He'll probably be in, in pass coverage. He'll be in split running back setups and formation. So, I expect a, a good, strong season to follow up what he did last year. So, I, I think he's got a great bunch of talent in him and that he can really turn some things on if they really need him, which is something that you kind of covet. And, but, you know, you don't have to pay a premium penny for right now. Let's talk about the pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends. Uh, this is immensely deep across the board here. Uh, obviously, we know what Michael Thomas is. You can make the argument that he's the best wide receiver in the National Football League. They add Emmanuel Sanders to that group. They are very high on Traquan Smith as the number three guy. You got Taysom Hill in the Joker role. You got Ty Montgomery that can catch the ball. You got Alvin Kamara, who's had three straight seasons of of eighty one catches and then you got Jared Cook who dealt with some injury dealt with some injuries but then really came on and developed chemistry late with Drew Brees uh if you're asking me John people have asked me hey who do you like out of that who do you think is going to have a breakout year I I say Jared Cook I I think he could have an all pro Travis Kelsey type of year in this offense because you're not going to be able to double-team him. You're not going to be able to double-team anyone. Am I crazy for thinking that about Cook? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. And, you know, again, as you said it, the Saints really are high on Traquan Smith, and they're looking for a lot of big things here. But, you know, again, that just goes back to the appreciation you have to have for the Saints offense is because they can beat you in so many ways. And, you know, it's in one hand, it's like, man, there's so many mouths to feed, but then they suddenly find ways to do it, you know, and – with Cook, obviously, is a tale of two different halves of the season. Uh, first half, he did okay. I mean, it wasn't anything that was setting the world on fire. But the second half, I mean, he just absolutely obliterated defenses. And, you know, I always go back to that San Francisco game that, hey, if he's still in the lineup, you know, they did not have an answer for him. Um, you know, Tennessee, they did not have an answer for him. There were just so many games where Cook was just absolutely out of this world. I mean, the Panthers game, the season finale, he was just – setting the world on fire, if you will. And and so I think you're right. Uh, you know, I don't know if Thomas will have anywhere close to what he had from his production. I think a lot of people are going to eat in the Saints offense. I think Cook is somebody that can really be the guy who comes in here and just kind of sets the, the world on fire for the Saints offense that, you know, you talk about it. Are you going to double Sanders? Are you going to double Thomas? Are you going to double Kamara out of the backfield? Uh, what about guys like Josh Hill and Jared Cook you still have to worry about? Or you stretch the field with Traquan or Deontay Harris. I mean, again, there's got to be a lot of, of nightmares as a defensive coordinator when you go say, man, these are all these weapons we have to, to worry about for the Saints. And so Cook, if I had to give a vote of confidence, it has to be Cook. Cook and then Traquan Smith would be the uh, the two that, that are poised to have such a breakout season. All right, let's talk about the big fellas. 
across the line. They bring back Andres Pete. A lot of fans were like, really, did you pay that much for him? But look, that's what the market warranted. And they bring back a guy who's familiar with their scheme and can also line up at tackle on a pinch when Teron Armstead gets injured, which is only a matter of if, uh, only a matter of when, not if. So you got Armstead at left tackle. You got Pete at left guard. You got McCoy coming back year number two at center. And they draft the young man Ruiz out of Michigan. And he's supposed to be a projected starter, but now he's banged up. He missed a lot of practices. So what's the confidence level there with the offensive line and in particular with its depth, John? Yeah, look, I think, first of all, you got to feel good about that Saints offensive line. And, you know, I think that what they, they wanted to accomplish is they wanted to make sure that they were quick. And what I mean by that is feet lost some weight. And Ruiz is a guy that can get out in space. When they talk about getting downfield for the screen game, anything that's going to help and really hold some of that interior pressure uh, something that, that really hurt them against the Vikings last season. So, and and with the offensive line, obviously, it's a, unfortunate that you see Ruiz dealing with an ankle injury. Hopefully, it's not serious. Um, you know, of course, we got the first injury report and he, he didn't practice. So, it'll be something you just got to monitor. But Nick Easton would be the guy that fills in there. Um, Ethan Greenidge is a guy who spent time on the roster last year. And, uh, you know, never was active, but he's kind of the, the backup tackle to Toronto said. They can shift Pete if they need to. They still have Will Clapp in the mix. They still have a lot of, of things they can do um, if something goes to the wayside. But, look, this offensive line is, is one of the best in the NFL, and they have got to stay healthy. Um, you know, but they have some solutions behind the, the starters, but it just wouldn't be the same if they have all five of them that they can trot out and, and be able to make an impact. I mean, there's no replacing what uh, a healthy Armstead and Ramchek at tackle, Pete and Ruiz at center. I mean, sorry, at, at guarding and McCoy at center. That's the best best chance for the Saints to do anything in the offense. It starts with those guys up front. Let's go to the defensive side of the football. Let's talk about that D line. You have Cam Jordan, All Pro. This guy is phenomenal. This is a guy who's so good at what he does, he feels confident enough to break out a 1988 Prince haircut on social media. So we know we're set there, John, with Cam Jordan, who's great on social media. But the question marks for the D-line are Sheldon Rankins, can he be healthy? When he's healthy, he's a top-five D-tackle in the league. But health is a concern. And then you had Marcus Davenport, year number three. If he can stay healthy for the first time in his career, he could be great because when he's on the field, he's amazing. What do we feel about the defensive line right now for the Saints and those injury concerns with Rankins and Davenport and the fact that they were unable to bring in Jadavian Clowney? Well, first of all, Rankins is, is looking great. And uh, for him, it was a kind of something that was coming for his injury. And, uh, you know, it's something that couldn't really be helped, if you will. It's just kind of a degenerative thing. But, you know, according to what he's been told, that it shouldn't be a problem anymore. Um, and so that's the good news with Rankins. I mean, look, they need him. And I think they can get creative along that defensive line. They've shown it. They can twist uh, Cam Jordan inside. They can move Rankins outside. They can do a lot of different looks to make offenses kind of figure out what's coming. And by the time they do, it might be too late. But, you know, Cam Jordan's obviously said. David Onyemata, you bring him back. He's so important to this team as far as the run stopping. And, you know, didn't have as great of a season with, with the pass rush, but I think that's something that's going to get cleaned up and be better. And Malcolm Brown is very underrated on this team. 
Uh, Shy Tuttle you bring back, and, and Malcolm Roach is an undrafted guy that makes the squad. So I feel good about the interior. The outside is where you really need the production. So um, Marcus Davenport, he needs to be healthy, and, and unfortunately he's dealing with an elbow injury right now, so we don't know how severe that is. Trey Henderson's a guy who's been around, and he obviously can step in. Carl Granderson is a guy that you want to see more of, and I think he has the potential there. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, the Saints tried to make the play for Connie. They tried to go all in, so to speak, if you will, to get him. They, they missed out, obviously. Um, you know, again, you can look at hindsight, right, it's depending on how he does this season versus Davenport. You know, obviously that's going to be a big focal point. And, you know, look – it's, it's unfortunate that they couldn't land him. There are still guys out there that they could bring in in a pinch. Clowney, I think, would have made this team, uh, this defense, easily a top-five unit. Um, you know, not saying they aren't. I think it's, it's top ten with the top-five ceiling right now. But, you know, ultimately this is a, a defense that had 51 sacks last year. That's the most they've had under Sean Payton, most they've had since 2001. So they're getting the job done, whether it's through a linebacker, whether it's through blitzing from the secondary, whether it's through guys like Cam Jordan having a crazy year and Davenport six and a half sacks. So they need Davenport to break out. They need him to do extremely well. I think he has so many good things he brings to the table. But, you know, when you have a make a move and, and trade up for a guy like that and, and what the cost or the price tag, you're always going to live that in your shadow. So he was doing well. That's the unfortunate news, and he was looking extremely good and getting praised by the coaches on his health and everything, but, you know, just another setback, and now everybody's kind of like, oh, man, this guy again, you know, but we'll see. We'll see when when it's all said and done. Linebacking core, Demario Davis, uh, one of my favorite players in the league, period. I've had him on my show before. Uh, John and just man I just I, I would go through a wall for that guy and, and just uh, I can just see how he inspires the rest of his teammates that's why he's a, uh, one of the you know a captain and, and a guy that's a leader on and off the field for them he's an all pro we know that Alex Anzalone has an immense amount of talent once again injuries have plagued him early on in his career what where does the linebacking core sit here we know Aunt Alex is going to be a starter who's going to be that third starter with them, especially with Kiko Alonso still dealing with his injury? Yeah, and look, I mean, I think when you look across the roster, the linebacking core is probably the weakness of the Saints defense. And that's not saying anything bad because DeMario is a freak, and he's just he's so good. And, you know, again, a lot's made of who's going to start, who's going to do this. And when the depth chart came out, the original one, um, you know, it was Caden Ellis starting at Sam, uh, and not, not rookie Zach Bond, so – We'll see if that changes, but, you know, you got to think that base D format, that 4-3 or whatever you want to call it, um, is is not always set in stone. So they may roll it as a starting type thing, or but they like to play a lot of nickel. So that's where Alex Angeloni and, and Demario Davis are going to pair a lot with. I mean, they got guys like Chase Hansen and Craig Robertson still there. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see, but I think, you know, with Demario on the field, as long as he's there, the linebacking core is always going to be in the right positions to make the plays. Um, you know, you'll probably bring C.J. Gardner-Johnson or C.D. Deuce now. Uh, downhill, kind of running some slot and, and doing some other looks to help with that run coverage. But, look, ultimately, you're expecting a lot of good things from Vaughn. One of the things I think about is, is DeMario Davis's comments on him and saying, look, hey, the biggest advice I gave to him was, was simplify the game. And, and what he meant by that was he was talking about, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson uh, or C.D. Deuce, however you want to refer to him, and, 
just kind of what he was able to do his rookie season. And so for Bond, I think he's he's catching on. I think he's doing well. There may be some struggles at first, but I, I think he's smart enough and, um, and and talented enough to be able to show why the Saints have picked him up and, and what he's going to bring to the table for this defense. So, uh, it, it might be a work in progress to start as well, you know, say all that, say this. And uh, I think when it's all said and done, you know, this is going to be a very respectable linebacking core and they're going to get a lot of, um, uh, very underrated and they're going to get a lot of good things done for the Saints. Well, John, here's the thing. You know, when I think about that and people, people bring up the, the that this may be the, the weakest position group for the Saints this year. Okay. That, that's fair. But I look. I go back to the Super Bowl year, and I go back how they constructed that linebacking core. It, they bring in two guys who were backups or journeymen, and Scott Vegeta and Scott Shanley. That was two of the first moves that Sean Payne made with Mickey Loomis. And then they bring in Jonathan Vilma, and Vilma was a- absolutely the star, the best of the three. But Shanley and Fujita did their job, right? You don't need every guy in the linebacking core to be a Hall of Famer or to even be a Pro Bowler. You just need consistent production. I feel like the Saints have that. You got your alpha. You got your big dog there with DeMario. If Alex Anzalone can play like Scott Shanley or Scott Fujita and Baum and Ellis can team up to fill up that other role, I think this linebacking core is going to be just fine. Yeah, no, I seem to agree, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. You don't have to have a stellar linebacking core. Um, you know, on paper, it just may seem like it, but be in the right position and make plays. I mean, you know, I, where I would judge the most, it's not in, in the yards that you give up. I mean, look at 2009. That defense was great. They got turnovers, but they gave up a ton of yards. And, you know, for me, it's, it's the third down stops. It's uh, – how much do you allow after the play? Um, you know, can you tackle? Can you do all the fundamentals? And I think that's the biggest way you can judge this linebacking core is, is how they're able to be effective that way. And for Anzalone, it's, it's about being healthy and lasting this entire season. You know, you, you are banking a ton on him right now. Um, but if he's a guy that goes down and you already got Alonzo that's rehabbing and supposed to come back, then that kind of puts a little bit different focus and you're like, oh, man, I, I don't know what – what's going to happen, but I feel good about where they're at now. Um, and again, you, you obviously you can say that on any position, right? You're banking on Drew Brees being healthy. You're banking on Marshawn Lattimore being healthy the entire season. Michael Thomas, I mean, knock on wood, you don't ever want to lose any of those guys. But, you know, last year, everybody thought the sky was falling when you lost Drew Brees. But Bridgewater came in, he did great. Um, I think the Saints have, again, their depth is, has just been tremendous, um, so much better than what it has been in the in the past, and uh, I think with the coaching staff, which is so important and very underrated, they'll get the most from their guys, and and they could put I would say they could put anybody, but they could put a lot of people out there, and um, they'll be able to do their role as long as they they listen to the direction of Malcolm Jenkins and guys like uh, Demario Davis. Let's talk about the cornerbacks. We know what Jack Rabbit brings to the table. He was great right off the bat, a late season pickup for this team. Janaris Jenkins. He's going to be the number two corner. Marshawn Lattimore, he had a good year, an okay year. He had a bit of a slow start. The knock on him right now, John, is that he hasn't been as good as he was his rookie year. Is this, first of all, is that a fair assessment of Marshawn Lattimore's career so far? And is this a big year, big season for him to prove himself as one of the best cornerbacks in the league? Yeah, look, I think so, and and you know he's 
he did great last year when called upon. I mean, he faces guys like Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, uh, you know, as far as DJ Chark, all of these premier wide receivers, and I think he did a fantastic job um, at, at coverage. Maybe not as good as, as some of the other years, but look, I think his rookie season obviously is fantastic. Second season, eh, maybe, I don't say regress is the right word, but maybe not as, as high of an impact. Um, but last year, he bounced back and did extremely well for the Saints. And look, I think when when you look at the secondary, and uh, again, I, I think it's the best corner tandem they've had since Jabari Greer and, and Tracy Porter, and, and that's saying a lot. Because again, going back to what I said a little bit earlier, those defenses, even with those guys in, they gave up a ton of yards. But when it came down to needing to stop or me getting off the field on third down or getting a turnover, that's where they were so different and being able to do things. And I think that's where the defense lies. Again, you don't say uh, household names aren't obviously the best way to put it, but, you know, there, you see Marshawn Lattimore consistently. You see about five or six corners that everybody else talks about before they talk about a guy like him. Same thing with Janoris Jenkins, but look, they have uh, a stellar cornerback uh, tandem, and, you know, their depth is probably the biggest thing that I'm concerned more about is Patrick Robinson has looked good in camp, but there's times where, obviously, you bring him in a game situation, he doesn't always look the best. And, I mean, I get it, because you might be cold when you come off the bench and it's tough to adjust. And um, So they can use T.J. Williams. They can do a lot of different things. But, you know, as long as Lattimore and Jenkins are in there, I think the Saints' uh, secondary is, is going to shut down a lot of premier receivers, and I think it's, it's going to only fuel Lattimore to help get paid. I mean, you saw... Another corner, Tredavious White, get paid recently. Lattimore is going to be in line to get paid too. So, and whether it's the Saints or not, I mean, they got him on the fifth-year tag next year. Um, we'll see how much big money he can get if if they don't do the uh, an ex- contract extension. With cornerback depth being an issue, are we going to see a lot more three safeties on the field in this defense this year? Well, I always thought that's the way we see it. Anyways, you know, I, I think it's. It's, it's no knock against, you know, Patrick Robinson or anything and, and guys like Justin Hardy who've been here. But, you know, Hardy's a guy that's more special teams. He's worked on his corner skills. But I think they're better suited to bring guys like T.J. Williams and, and C.D. Deuce into the slot to cover some of those other uh, big tasks that they have. And so, look, I think that's where you bring in guys like Malcolm Jenkins. He's going to put the best matchup where it needs to be. And if Jenkins needs to take a tight end, great. If, he can take the slot, he'll take the slot. But whatever they feel is going to be the best matchup, um, I'm not too worried about that. But, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, definitely a lot more safety in the box. Safety is going to cover the slot. Um, they may rotate guys like Robinson in, too. But, you know, again, you see what they've been able to bring to the table and how how good that the secondary can be. Um, I think there's no reason to think that it's going to fall off a cliff, that it should be – stellar play this season let's focus in on the safeties we've already talked about Malcolm Jenkins and you've already elaborated on what he can do but what can he do for Marcus Williams because I'm I'm a believer in Marcus and I know they everyone remembers him for that the rookie play and he, he made a boneheaded play and he's had to own it I just think he is going to thrive underneath the tutelage and mentorship of Malcolm Jenkins. I think you're going to have a Pro Bowl-like season for Marcus Williams. That's just me. Uh, I don't see this team day in and day out, but the reports from camp have been great about Marcus. 
Uh, what do you think about his development? Do you think he could have a breakout season, John? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the best things about Marcus is he's very humble. He understands what he needs to work on, and he said it before, and his tackling is what needs to get better. And, you know, Sean Payton, it's not a mystery. I mean, he said it too, that it's tackling, but, you know, if you go ask him, he's going to tell you that. So I think with Jenkins, uh, again, a veteran in this league, he's knowing what uh, a lot about what opposing uh, offensive players like to do, you know, he's going to help Williams out with some of his technique and, Look, I think when you say breakout season, Pro Bowl caliber season, I think he's going to do extremely well. I mean, this guy grades out really good in the analytics. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that they want more is obviously the turnovers and playing that free safety role. That's where they want him to kind of to get a little bit more, take his ball away. And, and, I mean, he had some turnovers last year. Some of them, I mean, he's playing that deep center field and, and he gets the ball. He's in great position. But, you know, it's that's the one argument, but second argument is, is they didn't have a competent guy back there to do it, and somebody else was there and missed it, and then be complaining that, oh man, they they should have had uh, a guy there to, to get that pick, or should have had a guy in position, or should have had somebody else. So, look, I think Williams gets a bum rap. I think the analytics obviously speak to how strong his play is, and you know the biggest thing I say when you talk about coverage is. Nobody knows what the specific coverage is called or the, the assignments or what's supposed to be. We only see what we see from watching the, the TV or from the field or from all 22. And, you know, it's kind of hard to always shift blame saying, oh, well, this is, this is Marcus's fault or this is this person's fault. So uh, I think he's fine for a big year. I think he could push to the Pro Bowl. But, you know, again, it's, uh, it's one of those that you're going to just have to see see what happens and, and you're just hoping and, and banking that Jenkins is a guy that's going to help him progress and, and make some adjustments in game and he's really going to be able to turn it on because again he's another one that's going to need to get paid next season so uh, we don't know if that's going to be with the Saints or somebody else Special teams yeah, Will Lutz at kicker Thomas Morstead, best punter in the league at punter and then you got Deontay Harris as a undrafted rookie goes out there and as a pro bowler as a return specialist, I'll just ask you this: Do the Saints have the best special teams unit in the league? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's pretty clear. Um, you know, no bias, but Will Lutz has been fantastic. I think he was second in points last year. Thomas Morstead has always been doing what he does and doing it at such a high level. Um, and and look, Deontay Harris took down so many all rookie accolades and all sorts of different things his, his first season and. All pro nominations, just a whole bunch of different good things, and so including and, and, and inclu- that, including the John J. Hendricks uh, special team uh, special teamer of the year award, right? Hey, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure. I'm I, I this trophies in the mail for sure. Um, <laughs> but, like, but with Harris, I mean, the thing is, the guy just has a, a knack to, to bust it open and, and really just flip the field, and and I think that's the most exciting thing. And, and I remember guys like Taysom Hill returning kicks, right? Every time he got the ball, you just wanted to see what he could do. And Harris is a guy that is, is deceptively fast and quick. And when he gets the ball, he's able to give the Saints some good field position every single time um, that he's able to return the ball. You know, again, and, and the cool thing about him is, uh, I mean, they need him. And he, he didn't have his uh, – he had a share of, of, you know, fumbling or whatever, just kind of some rookie boneheaded plays, if you will. I mean, everybody does, right? Uh, but – he, overall, he was a stud. He's, he's so good, just 
the special teams unit. Uh, Will Lutz should only be stronger. And Thomas Moore said just continues to, to be perfect. And any time you can't see him in a game or you don't see him in a game is a good thing. All right, brother. We've broken down all the position groups. We talked about the the free agents. We talked about Mickey Loomis being a wizard. We already know. We don't need to talk about Sean Payton being awesome uh, on, on, off the field. The Twitter, Sean, oh, magnificent. He is amazing on social media. But let's talk about it. The window's open. Here it is. We're kicking off on Sunday, brother, against Tampa Bay, a team that probably every national media member is tripping over themselves to announce as the team that's going to win the NFC South and win the NFC and win a Super Bowl because they added a 43-year-old quarterback and a tight end who didn't play football a year ago. But I digress. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not buying all the Tampa hype. I think they're going to be good, but everyone thinks they're going to be next world, and I just don't see it. But what do the Saints need to do this season to repeat as NFC South champions for the fourth consecutive year and remain in contention for a Super Bowl? Yeah, Petty Sean is one of my favorites, that's for sure. I definitely like when he's petty, and I know people can't stand it, but, you know, that's the thing. If you don't like it, beat him in his own game type thing is what I think. But <laughs> that being said, you know, you always talk to these players, you talk to these coaches, and, and the, the importance is winning the division. And, look, nobody's ever won the NFC South four straight times. I mean, the Panthers had a chance. Um, they didn't do it. New Orleans is in, a, in the driver's seat to do it. I think they're the best team in the NFC South for sure. I'm not buying the Buccaneers hype. And, you know, I think they have some holes on their roster. I think Atlanta could even challenge and be better uh, than the Buccaneers. And, you know, look, again, entering this game, I think it's a double-edged sword because if the Saints win, you know, it's because the Bucks are too new. And if the Bucks win, it's because they're the greatest team in the world. And it's Tom Brady and all this other stuff, right? And so, you know, I wouldn't read too much into how this first game goes. I mean, the Saints aren't always the best in season opener. Um, but, you know, I think their bread and butter is heating up in the middle of the season and really finishing down the stretch. And so, look, when it's all said and done, you know, you obviously want to win your divisional games. Um, you're going to have a tough three-week road trip stretch um, starting at the end of November, early December. So that's obviously going to be important. You're going to play Atlanta a couple times in in a couple of weeks. So obviously you know how it comes down. you got to win the division first. You're going to have some interesting foes down the stretch. You're going to have Vikings on Christmas Day. You're going to have the Chiefs come up, um, come to town. So there's definitely a lot of interesting games on the schedule. Philly's another one, too, so – Obviously, you got a lot of, of, of interesting matchups to watch. I still think when you put down on paper, the Saints team is going to win a lot of these games. I think they're a the better team, and, and just because of the way their roster is built, their coaching set up, and just what they can bring to the table. And, you know, again, um, the biggest unfortunate thing is, is we're not in having fans. I think that could spell a huge difference, obviously, because that's a, a big thing for the Saints to have is, is fans in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, but, you know, you're just going to have to make do. They, they probably won't have them in week two, maybe in week three some. But, uh, you know, I think just worry about getting off on the right foot, at least split a few things in September and see how it goes. And then October, November is where you really turn it on. They're going to have the early bye week. But, look, I think they have a, 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 the best shot to win via a, a four-peat for the NFC South. And, look, I, I don't – anybody coming and take that crown just yet so we'll see if it changes but as of right now you can't tell me or convince me otherwise that um it's tampa bay or atlanta all right brother we'll get you out of here with this what is your 
overall record prediction? Do you predict them to win the division, and do you have them going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, look, I think um, as far as it goes, I think this is a 12-4 and four type team. Um, you know, I think the ceiling obviously is 13-3. and three. I think the low ceiling may be 11-5 and five or 10-6, and six, worst case. But, look, I think, um, you know, I think they win the NFC South again. I think, obviously, with this playoff format change, you know, you're looking at, at seven teams and only one of them is getting a bye week. So, you may be in a situation where you're going to have to play the first round of the playoffs. And, and I know they're going to want to try to, to get to that first round bye, but, you know, it's a little bit different this season. Um, you know, they may be opening on wild card weekend at home again. So that, that plays into how they do. But, you know, again, there's some tough games on the schedule and I think there can go either way. Um, you know, but that's why I say 12 and four is realistic. I think they win the division, finishes the third, second seed, maybe, um, if they can't get a first, just because we don't know how Seattle's going to do or how Green Bay is going to do or how Dallas is going to do because everybody wants to pick them or San Francisco even. So, I think um, people picking you know, the Cowboys, good John, John. You, you <laughs> hey, mean people buying it, in the Dallas Cowboys hype? That that never happens ever. You know it always every single year. <laughs> oh, all right, brother. Look, man, this has been great. Keep up the great work that you're doing, man. You're just you're just out there hustling, brother. Doing great work there for uh, at SI now, and of course contributing to Forbes Sports. And uh, man, have a great season. Can't wait to talk to you again, brother. And thank you so much for making the time for this Saints season preview here. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. That's John J. Hendricks. Ooh, he's good, man. I mean, he just breaks it down. The way you needed to. We went position group by position group, gave overall thoughts about what this team can do. He says he believes that they can win the NFC South for the fourth straight year. If healthy, I agree with that. I think this is a team that's probably going to go 11 and 5 around there. 12 and 4, I think, is where you're going to see this team. I think I agree with him. I think Atlanta is going to be a dangerous team, even more so than Tampa Bay. I'm not buying the Bucks hype as well. And you could see the Saints make a run to the Super Bowl. But the playoffs are going to be slightly different. So anything is possible. But we have the NFL. That's what is important. Kicking off Sunday, Saints and Bucks. I want to thank John J. Hendricks, the Saints lead writer reporter from at Saints News at SI now for joining me here on this latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. If you miss any episode, you want to go up back and hit the archives, you can do so at 1037thegame.com. Check out former episodes, previous episodes, rather, and make sure to check it out every single week because a new episode drops every single week. Until next time, you guys be safe out there, be kind to one another, and I'll talk to you next time. I'm out.